When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. Alright, so for today's episode, it is Monday, so we've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with me. You can find him on Twitter at Nighthawk7734. We'll be breaking down some of the championship weekend games, all of the Saturday games, and a couple of the Sunday games, but as me and Matt are both huge Star Wars enthusiasts, we are going to try and jump in and get some Star Wars talking at the end of the episode as well, and then you will have me back by myself solo tomorrow as Matt's got some stuff going on with his work at a long day ahead of him tomorrow, so he won't be able to jump on with me, so I will jump in and break down the rest of the championship games, including the Monday night game tonight between the Packers and the Vikings. Let's jump Matt on here so we can talk some Week 16 games and some Star Wars. Hello! And it is Monday, so we've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with us. Matt, how was your weekend? It was pretty good. I, uh, you know, got to do a little Christmas with the family on um, Saturday when I saw Star Wars, so obviously on Friday, and then... Um, Yesterday worked six or seven hours, went home, and uh, I thought the Broncos were going to try to kick me in the uh, low end <laughs> one last time before Christmas. But fortunately, they remembered they were playing the Lions and pulled it out. Yeah, so you didn't get you know you didn't get hit in the special parts like Sam Darnold did yesterday, huh? That's what you're telling me with that with that uh, Broncos win there. 
Yeah, it was touch and go. I was like, this is going to be a great game. Detroit can't stop the run or the pass. I'm watching the first quarter thinking, huh, well, I'm getting cold this year. Yeah, I can see. You know what? I forgot about that. We will. I, I have Broncos on for tomorrow's. Uh, you won't be with me uh, on tomorrow's episode because you've got uh, some stuff going on with work. So I'm actually going to throw We'll do those right at the end before we get into our Star Wars talk. If you guys heard, obviously, right there in the intro, we're just going to run through these games real quick, kind of give you guys our, our quick synopsis on the teams, obviously. At this point, you've either more than likely won or lost your championship game. Some of you, I'm sure, have uh, games in the balance with the Vikings-Packers game going on tonight, so you don't want to rub in too deeply if you have lost. Obviously, if you won, you probably want to hear all about it. Uh, so we're just going to kind of run through a quick synopsis of all of the games I have on there. I am going to add the Denver one because I want to get your thoughts on them, obviously. Uh, and then we will jump in and do some Star Wars talk. As, as we talked about a lot last week, you got to see it Friday. I was able to see it Sunday. So we'll give everybody a quick uh, quick uh, note real quick when we're going to get into it so we don't ruin it for anybody if you haven't seen it yet. So we will jump in and start with the Saturday games as we had three Saturday games this week and break those down first. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Starting with the Texans and Buccaneers, the early morning game that I will not lie, I missed most of. I was, uh, as you know, we were texting back and forth a little bit Friday. I was uh, really down in the dumps this weekend, feeling pretty sick Friday and Saturday. So I slept most of Saturday morning and missed a lot of this game. Came in and caught the fourth quarter, which I'm, I'm from what I saw was probably the best part of the game, though. Uh, for the Texans side, Watson uh, did not do you any favors if you played him. Just finishes as a QB 27 with 10 points in this one, 19 of 32, 184 yards and one interception. Uh, if you didn't go against mine and uh, Dennis's advice on Friday's episode and play Carlos Hyde, uh, he got you 10 points. I did not even think he'd do that good. RB 26. In this one, one touchdown, 27 yards on 17 carries. Kenny Stills, the best wide receiver on the day for the Texans, 57 yards on five catches. And DeAndre Hopkins, much like Deshaun Watson, let you down, let me down big. It's probably going to cost me a championship matchup this week. Uh, just 23 yards on five catches. What was your takeaway from uh, really Watson and Hopkins, I think, were, were the disappointing part. I feel like, uh, I mean... It is continuing on the kick to the no-no places here that we've been talking about. I really took one bad here. I really thought Watson and Hopkins were going to have a huge week against a really bad pass defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, they just they didn't get it done for you. They came up really short in this one. Yeah, you know, I, I had three teams that were in championship games. Uh, on one team, I have Deshaun Watson. On the other team... Uh, in the two quarterback league, I had Jameis Winston. And on the third, I had Dak Prescott going. And all three of those guys, what you would have thought going into this weekend, had plus matchups against defenses that were terrible against the pass. I mean, Tampa Bay, everyone's thrown all over them. 
you know, I started a lot of pieces. I started Hopkins where I had him. I started Will Fuller where I had him. He unfortunately gets hurt. You know, you can't predict those kind of things. Uh, and Watson, you know, you're thinking these are some some great starts. This was probably, in a depressing way, the most shocking outcome of the weekend. Um, you know, Matthew Berry had, was somebody who played Winston in uh, several of his title games, and he has an incredible thread going. Oh, really? Uh, from Saturday. If you go back and look at it, I mean, there's just a lot of people. I mean, that's a chance. You know, the difference probably between how you're feeling about Watson and Hopkins and maybe what happened with Winston is Winston throughout his, you know, career and even this season has been, you know, either incredible or incredibly bad. But Watson, you know, it's been a weird December because they started December. I remember watching a lot of the. The I watched obviously when they played Denver and they had a lot of commentary about how he had put up incredible numbers throughout his career in December. He hadn't thrown any interceptions and I'm pretty sure he's been picked off at, at least once in every game this month. And yeah. it's been fascinating to watch and it, what should have been just an incredible plus matchup. And the Texans on everything to gain, you know, and fortunately they pull it out and, and they still win and they go to the playoffs. But really the trend, I think this weekend was defying expectations. There are people that I was weary to play because of matchups because you thought that they would burn you that actually end up putting up decent days. And then there's ones like both sides of this game where you're expecting what you've seen all year and you just get something completely different. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, and I think some of it did hurt. Obviously I've gone back and I've seen uh, some of the highlights. The, I believe it was James Winston's first pass was picked off and, and run back for a touchdown, a defensive touchdown. I believe like that stuff obviously hurts you as well as an offense fantasy offense, because now that that kind of takes a possession away from your offense. But it was. It was extremely disappointing. There, there's no other way about it. Like I said, I know I have been talking about for, I want to say, almost back to week 13 that if you had DeAndre Hopkins and you had Deshaun Watson, if you could make it into week 16, you have the matchup of the century going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who cannot stop anybody in the passing game, and they just completely fell flat. There's, there's no other way about it, and Unless you had, you know, the Saquon Barkleys of the world. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Maybe Ken, if you were, for whatever reason, playing Kenyon Drake, Tyler Boyd, Michael Thomas, chances are you probably lost because Watson and both Hopkins fell really short for you in this one. On Tampa Bay's side, Jameis Winston continues to just turn the ball over. Four interceptions in this one. One touchdown goes 25 of 48, 300. And 35 yards as well in the air. Just, I, I'm really surprised. News, I believe, came out either earlier that day or Friday that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will either transition tag or franchise tag him and keep him there. Uh, really kind of surprised that that's the route they're going. But he finishes his QB 16 with 15 points. Ronald Jones, RB9 with 18.4 points in this one. 77 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries. Uh, looked really good on that one. If you guys just follow me on Twitter, you saw that I posted that right before I, I hit my nap time there. Did get 32 yards on three catches as well. Brashad Perriman, uh, for the most part, does come through with you a lot for you. A lot of people said that he would be a good play with Edvins and uh, Godwin going down. Does get you 13.7 points, finishes his wide receiver 16. Uh, from what I saw, got missed uh, 
Winston missed him a couple times wide open or overthrew him as well. 102 yards on seven catches in this one. Justin Watson, 43 yards and touchdown on five catches. O.J. Howard, just 46 yards on three catches. So, Bucks. I mean, what else can you say? They've been pretty much a very disappointing team most of the year. The really only players that we've been able to talk about every single, every single week were Godwin and Evans. They're obviously out. Have been out for the past couple weeks now. At least Evans Godwin last week came out with the injury. Uh, but Perriman, if you played him, he came through for you. So you've got to be happy with his production. Yeah, I mean, came through more so than some uh, bigger name players. Uh, but it was touch and go for him for a while, too, uh, with the way this team was playing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised that they have come out and made that commitment with Winston. I thought that was going to be one of the most agonizing processes and curious processes to watch all off season is what does Tampa Bay do, but there must be enough of what he's shown in his relationship with Arians that Arians said, I, I can get there because I think that's the only reason you come out and make this declaration. Cause from what we've seen on the field, we haven't seen that. You would think by this point in time in the season, you'd be seeing some consistency and we're still not seeing any consistency, but it's going to be interesting too, to see what happens with Ronald Jones. It seemed like an opportunity to really step up this year. He got named the de facto starter in the middle of the season. Almost in my opinion, felt like his, his touches and stats took a step back, but you know, quietly had a pretty nice game yesterday. Um, So Tampa Bay, you know, they're in a tough division, but they've looked good at times. It's just going to be real curious to see what they do this offseason. It felt like last offseason they spent a lot of draft capital and time working on their defense, which hasn't benefited them in the slightest. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, too, that they're sitting there with, with a with a 7-8 and eight record. Like, they could actually win this weekend and be 8-8, eight and eight, finish 500, which is not really what you would expect. I believe they had two wins last year. So, I mean, they've definitely improved. They've had one of the best run defenses all season long. So, I really don't think that they're that far off. And, and on the Winston thing, this is definitely something we'll dive into more as we get to the off-season podcast. We're still technically in-season but one of the points that was brought up earlier today, I want to say it was by former GM Mike Tannenbaum. I can't remember exactly who it was that said it. Uh, but he was saying that it makes sense for them to do the transition tag because then they can get him at a cheaper value. And chances are, with what he's done on the field, another team is not going to come in and outbid you. So you don't have to outbid yourself by using the franchise tag, but you can use something that gets him on like a one to two year deal, something cheaper to see if maybe give him another year with Arian and see if he improves enough. I mean, I did not see much improvement this year. That's just me speaking personally. But maybe, as you said, they're seeing enough there that they're willing to do that. We'll see which way they go. There's obviously a lot of time between now and and when those tags have to happen. Uh, but that when he when he mentioned that when I was listening to the radio this morning, that made a lot of sense if they do go that route. Let's see. Next up, the a game that I did not expect to go the way that it did. I really thought the Bills were going to be able to pull off the win here against the Patriots, but they lose 17-24. Josh Allen, 13-26, 208 yards and two touchdowns in the air. Comes in as quarterback, um, let's see here, quarterback 10 with 20.6 points. Devin Singletary, RB40 with 5.3 points. That was a, a whiff on my part. I really thought he'd have a better game. 46 yards. 
on just 15 carries. Uh, doesn't get, do much in the receiving game, which is really kind of also where he's been able to build his PPR value lately. Just two yards on the one catch. Uh, but Cole Beasley and John Brown both have good games. Uh, Beasley, 108 yards for seven catches. Coming in at wide receiver 14 with 14.3 points. And John Brown just gets four targets but makes the one catch, a touchdown catch for 53 yards. Burns Stephon Gilmore somewhat. I still don't say that's all on Gilmore. It was a great route by John uh, John Brown on this one. But finishes the day with 12.10 points. Wide receiver 25. So Bills, they're in the playoffs, I believe, for the second time in three years now. So that's good for them. Uh, and, and in my opinion, all the guys outside of Singletary came through for you in this one. So you started Allen, Brown, or Beasley. I mean, I did not advise starting Beasley. Dennis did say to start him. He came through for you. You're happy with the production you got from those three guys. Singletary, unfortunately, another one of the studs that will be added to the laundry list of players this week that kind of let you down in week 16. Yeah, and it, it was total opposite of what um, I thought going in. You know, New England's defense in general is good, but their pass defense had been much better better than their rush defense especially of late you know they let Mixon have almost 150 yards the week prior uh you know and Josh Allen has has sometimes been turnover prone he really struggled the last time he faced New England at home so he figured on the road in December that's going to be tough I, I had thought he was kind of a stay away and Beasley and Brown were a stay away but Singletary would be a good play and it was the total opposite yeah, and it's it's disappointing too, especially with I believe we were talking about it, how good Frank Gore was last time against them, and Singletary had yeah. been so good here as of late that we both we both thought that he was going to be uh, he was going to be able to do at least what Gore did, if not better. And they just they came in and shut him down. You got to give you got, you have to give props to the Patriots defense. They came out played a really good game, and and we'll be on it. At least I'll be honest. The Patriots offense looked a little bit better, so here we go again. Late in December, getting ready for that playoff run. The Patriots look like they might be turning over a new leaf here on offense. Who knows? Maybe they'll be making another run to the playoffs. Tom Brady gives himself a uh, one-touchdown day, just 271 yards, 26 of 33. Comes in as quarterback 13 with 7.2 points. Sony Michelle, 96 yards on 21 carries. Comes in as running back 25 with 10.6 points. Rex Burkhead, RB13 with 6.7 points. Gets you 20 yards on 5 carries and a touchdown. Also adds 77 yards on 4 catches. And then Julian Edelman comes back in this one. Uh, bounces back from a bad week 15. So if you uh, were able to survive your week 15 matchup, he did not necessarily disappoint in this one. 11.7 points, wide receiver 29, 77, uh, 72 yards, I'm sorry, on five catches for Edelman. So I think moving into the playoffs, just for the Patriots, they need to find that other guy opposite of him. You've seen a little bit of Nikhil Harry. Muhammad Sanu seems to have disappeared outside of what we saw earlier in the year. Jacoby Myers is here one week, not here the next week. Edelman really the only guy that you can rely on, but this offense did look better against a really good uh, pass defense in the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, you know, here's another one. The Patriots offense had been pretty poor all the way along, um, you know, and guys he thought would be a good start, you know, James White, most people were gravitating toward. And, of course, the Patriots, the ultimate trolls, uh, Sony Michelle. Gets 21 carries, puts up almost 100 yards, gets about 10 points, and Rex Burkhead is the the receiver and the rushing touchdown. So they're they continue to be wildly unpredictable. 
Yeah, I'm. I forgot all about White, man. He was. He's probably another one of those guys. <laughs> we'll just keep adding to that list as I was talking about earlier. Who, who definitely let people down. I was someone else who who thought White was going to have a good game here. Um, you know, they did lean on Sony Michelle a little bit more, which is something a lot of us has expected. I still don't think he's he's. I don't think he's right there. I think there's got to be something going on injury wise with him. Maybe we'll find that at the end of the year. But uh, James White, another guy who definitely let everybody down. 49ers and Rams. This was a really good game uh, Saturday night. Probably, again, or at least in my opinion, the best game of the weekend. Or that Saturday, I should say. Not the weekend, but of the Saturday games. Jared Goff, 27-46, 323, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, has a really good game away from home. QB9, 21.1 points. Todd Gurley continues to get touchdowns. But not much else. 48 yards on 15 carries does add two touchdowns. Doesn't do anything in the passing game. RB12 with 16.8 points. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Robert Woods. I'm going to go Robert Woods first. I don't know why I was going to say Brandon Cooks. 117 yards on eight catches. Wide receiver 10 with 16 points. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver 28 with 11.9 points. 39 yards and a touchdown on four catches. And Cooper Cup gets a touchdown as well. 31 yards on four catches. Tyler Higby. I forgot to look up his fantasy stats, but he has himself a day as well here. Getting nine you, receptions for 104 yards. Yes, nine receptions and 104 yards coming in as tight end nine on the week with 14.9 points. So, which was interesting as well. Cause so I did not know, I don't know exactly what happened, but Gerald Everett did play in this game, correct? Like he, I heard all the news yeah, that he, he was, was active. Back. He got a target. So if you ended up playing, I, I, I don't know how many. So there were two leagues that I was playing up against the person who owned Gerald Everett. They had Tyler Higby to handcuff him. They both played Tyler Higby in the matchups that I had. But I'm curious if anybody did play Gerald Everett because all the talk was that he was going to be back and out there playing that I saw. So if you benched him and then watched Tyler Higby go off, you've got to be losing your mind. But really, outside of, of that matchup, if you decided to play Everett instead of Higby, all the Rams came through for you, including Jared Goff, who had a rare good away game uh, for fantasy and the NFL. Yeah, the Rams, another frustrating team this year. You know, yeah. they have what you figure is going to be a good matchup last week in Dallas, and they just get blown out. And here, you know, this was a complete reverse of what I think many of us thought this game might be, a complete reverse of the last time these two teams played. I mean, Goff had... 78 yards passing the entire game the first time these two teams played. I'm pretty sure he had that on the first drive uh, on Saturday night. It was, you know, just incredible. But the Rams, you know, were, gave it a, a really good effort, really trying to play uh, to keep their hopes alive and just couldn't get it done. I think that's going to be a team that's going to have a real long off season. Um, yeah. And it, it, I think you are right. It maybe. They gave Higby a pretty decent contract at the beginning of the season. It seemed like they were saying he was the guy they wanted, and then it was curious during the middle of the season that Everett seemed to be the guy getting more action. But whenever it went out injured, Higby's had, I believe, three 100-yard games in a row now. Yep. That seems to be settled as much as anything's ever settled for the Rams. And, of course, Brandon Cooks, who seemed to be dead most of the season, gets a touchdown here if you – were desperate enough to start him, this wouldn't have been a terrible, terrible outcome for you, especially in PPR. No, not at all. Yeah, Rams are going to be one of the teams that's going to be interesting to look at and talk about uh, in the offseason because 
it really felt like a lot of the moves they made in the offseason and obviously during the year giving up all the picks they did for Ramsey was kind of a, a pushing all their cards to the middle of the table and going for it this year. They're looking forward to a lot of years here with not a lot of draft picks and a lot of players coming up on contracts and not a lot of cap room. So this Rams team could, in all honesty, from what I've seen from the Cardinals the past couple weeks and obviously the 49ers taking the huge leap forward that they have this year, Seattle's always in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if we're not talking about the Los Angeles Rams as the worst team in this division as early as even next year. And this was a team that was in the Super Bowl last year in a dogfight with the Patriots to try and win their first Super Bowl. So it, it's amazing. Well, and this, this is a real gone. problem because they were trying to build something of a dynasty as they go into their brand new huge stadium that opens next year. That's yep. that's what I think makes this offseason even more brutal. Like you said, they're missing picks. They're bumping up against the cap, and at best, they're the third third best team in their division right now. But you're you're right. If Arizona got some things together, maybe got a better coach, uh, they could be right there. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting because I don't I don't think Cup is up this year. Uh, it might be next year, but no. like, they've already paid Goff and Cooks. I don't remember if what kind of contract they paid Robert Higby, Woods they paid Gurley, they yeah. paid. Donald. I think Aaron Donald. They are, they were talking about them as the ultimate real life version of Stars and Scrubs and can yeah. that work? I think we're seeing it can't because when they had some they've had a few injuries and stuff, they don't have enough depth and role players in key positions on defense or on the offensive line to make it work. And that's yeah. you know, and it's not like they're gonna be able to build in the draft. It's not just first round picks. I think they've dealt quite a few seconds and things. Yes, they have. They yeah. you know, it was it was something like they're gonna have like two picks total in this draft, which is you know, you can't rebuild that way. No, and then I mean you've also got you gave up all those picks uh, earlier this year for Jalen Ramsey. He comes up at the end of next year, so you're likely gonna have to pay him. You're not gonna let him walk after everything you gave up for him. So yeah. They're, they're well, knowing him, rough. they're going to have to pay him this offseason or they're going to have a Melvin Gordon-type situation. We'll see. I mean, I don't I don't know if you can take him at his word with everything we've seen from him, but he did say earlier when he got traded to the Rams that uh, he would not push or hold out or anything for a new contract because he sat down, I think, with the, the Rams' ownership and everything, and they said that we will pay you, but we need you to play out your contract on this part, and then that's when we'll be able to give you the deal. And he said that he was going to go along with that. Now, whether or not things changes with that guy, I mean, I feel like that's like just like the changing of the wind with that yeah. guy. But we'll see what happens, if, if he holds to it or not. On the 49ers well, do they side, even want to pay that, though? I, uh, to me, he uh, has not been what they thought they were getting to shore up well, their defense. The one thing I'll say with with him is I don't know what kind I don't know how different the the defensive scheme is for him from the move from Jacksonville to to Los Angeles. There's been a lot of talk that, that uh, Wade Phillips might not be back now with as bad as that defense has been. Again, I don't know if that's all on him. Uh, with, with some of, as you pointed out, a lot of the star scrubs thing. I think the scrubs are the offensive line. A lot of the defensive players they've had, you've seen them. Over the past couple of years, they're bringing in aging defenders to come in and play on like one-year contracts like they did Clay Matthews. It was Sue last year. They're, they're doing a lot of that to try and bring guys in uh, to fill holes that they need, which is not necessarily the best thing. So I don't know if that's all on Ramsey. I mean, he did have a couple really good games. He, he locked down some of the best wide receivers uh, when they went up against him. So I don't know if you can say it's all Ramsey or if it's, it's maybe not a fit in that offense. 
it's hard for me to say. It'll be. I think next year will be the key, and that, I think that's why they haven't decided to pay him yet, or they won't pay him until the end of the season comes up to maybe see if he fits better into that system than he has so far. On uh, on San Francisco's side, everything is, seems to be working fine with Kyle Shanahan and his schemes and uh, and that defense under uh, Salah there, who's been phenomenal. Although that defense has regressed some from what it was at the beginning of the season. Jimmy G goes 16 to 27, 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions in this one. Comes in as QB 22 with 12.4 points. Raheem Mostert continues to be the most effective running back in this backfield. Gets you a touchdown on 11 carries with 53 yards. Uh, was not able to do much here in the receiving game. Uh, really does nothing in the receiving game. Uh, I lost his points here, guys. I apologize. RB23 with 11.3 points. Debo, uh, for the most part, comes through for you due to a rushing touchdown in this one. Gets you a rushing touchdown on 28 yards and three carries. Adds 31 yards on four catches. But George Kittle continues to be a man among boys here. Uh, It's hilarious. I know neither one of us were worried about George Kittle, but I'm sure you remember the panic that was going on about George Kittle at the beginning of the season because he wasn't putting up the same amount of points. And then I remember going back and looking at him and like, well, actually through like four weeks, he had put up more points this year than he did last year. The only difference was he was not scoring touchdowns this year like he was last year. Well, he's been scoring touchdowns as of late and continuing to ball out 16.4 points in fantasy, tight end seven on the week, one touchdown, 79 yards on five catches in this one. I'll be interested to see what this team does in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, they've got a lot of solid pieces around them. Debo, obviously a rookie this year. Emmanuel Sanders had another good game here. 61 yards on three catches. Had that huge, I think it was like the 46-yard touchdown, not touchdown, uh, catch at the end of the game to set up that field goal. Mm-hmm. Gets open on the busted coverage between Jalen Samuels. Uh, and I don't remember who that safety was that was that was playing behind him. Uh, but but they've got a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, and the running back core is really going to be the biggest thing for us fantasy people to probably focus on because you got Raheem Mostert, who has really taken a step forward and seems to be the lead guy. You obviously have Tevin Coleman there. Jarek McKinnon uh, is uh, still on IR, likely will be back, although I, w- I would imagine them. they might cut him. I'll, I'll have to look and see what his salary looks like. Matt Breida as well, who seems to be very effective when they play him. So really good team all around, really interesting. Interested to see how they fare when the playoffs come. What what are your thoughts on the 49ers and and their year that they've had where you know one of one of our own FLA guys, uh John Hamler's really predicted this rise of power for the 49ers earlier this year. Yeah, I I think they've been really good. And you know, with everything that happened with uh Seattle and injuries yesterday, uh, it it does look like the 49ers are back on track to to win and and be the the one seed in the NFC, which is yeah. quite a turnaround for a team that. But you know, we thought last last year, many of us went into the season thinking they had a shot. Um, you know, they seemed like they had some pieces and they might be able to improve, and they just had rotten injury luck and everything else. You know, McKinnon, obviously the big free agent splash. They lose him preseason. Jimmy G goes down for the whole season midway through but they you know they they were building and finding some people this has been a rebuild effort for 
a number of years, and I think a lot of credit goes to John Lynch, uh, yeah. the GM that kind of had a vision for what he was going to try to get and the kind of people they were going to try to bring in and managing their money well, sticking with Kyle Shanahan after a couple of you know rough years. We've seen a lot of franchises that, that really want to win pull the trigger after two down years or after one down year, um, but just trusting that he was going to get it done. And you've seen the fruit born of that. They're a really fun team to watch yeah. when it comes to fantasy plays. <laughs> it's been a little bit frustrating outside of uh, riding Kittle. I, it seems like they've kind of settled on most or like you said, uh, off season is going to be a fascinating um, look because in some way they can, they have, uh, Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Jarek uh, McKinnon are all under contract. Yeah, they're, they're, I find it hard to believe they're going to keep them all. I kind of think McKinnon might be the one where they cut their losses because I believe he has a softer out after this second year. Uh, it's unfortunate. I would have liked to see what he could have done given a feature role in an offense like this. Um, we're never, I guess, really going to see it. But I like Raheem Mostert. He had been a real upstart kind of player for most of the season. And now that he's getting more of a feature role, I think he's done a good job. I actually think their backfield would be just fine if it was Mostert and Brita. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman, We yeah. a lot of people have been Tevin Coleman fans from when he was Atlanta waiting for him to get an opportunity. Uh, and it's just weird uh, to see. But they have... That's kind of an example. They have such great depth uh, of young, talented players at, at receiver and running back that's helped them be able to weather things, put together different combinations. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with Moster too, is he's a guy who, I mean, I, I've known him all the way back to, he was a, he was with the Cleveland Browns, and he got let go of there because he kept getting hurt. Like, that was actually one of the big things about Moster. Uh, I'm sure some of you, if you were paying attention to the San Francisco 49ers backfield last year, he was there with them last year and had that really good run. I think it was like for two games. And in that second game, had that really bad break of his arm that kind of set him out the rest of the year. So I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see uh, McKinnon. I, pu I pulled his contract up. So the dead cap hit would be 4000 next year and then 2000 the year after if they were to let him go after this season. So that's not bad. That really is most of his salary has been big hits the past two years unfortunately while he's been on IR so I would not be surprised I'm with you on what you said he's he was obviously a, a looked to be a very good player when when uh was it was it Peterson or Cook that second time that they went down I can't remember in Minnesota was it when Cook went down the first year um yeah I think it was the first season that okay. they had Cook but I feel like there was somebody else that they had Latavius in, uh, Murray I remember they had Murray yeah, Latavius but they were those. It was those two split, and I just couldn't remember if it was the the last year Peterson was there, or if that was that Dalvin Cook first year. Regardless, he looked really well, he, good. He had had a couple of years kind of like that, yeah, subbing behind Peterson and I think uh, behind Cook. But yeah, he he looked good. I'm with you. I'd love to see him in this offense. That's why so many people were so high on him in Dynasty when he signed with this Kyle Shanahan offense. It was like, oh wow, he's 
finally going to get utilized the right way because the one thing you can say about Kyle Shanahan, and he's proved it yet again, is he really knows how to work those running backs into all facets of the offense. And that's why it's it's so maddening for us as fantasy players because there's three or four guys back there and you just want to know which one it's going to be because once you figure out which one it is, they have immense fantasy value. But it's going to be interesting to watch what they do in the offseason, as we've both said. I can't I can't wait to see what happens with them. And I'm really excited to watch them in the playoffs. I'm with you with the with the injuries that have happened to Seattle over this game, which which I'll talk about on tomorrow's podcast. It really looks like they are almost a lockstep to now get that one seed because all they'll have to do is go in and beat Seattle, which again is no easy task to go up to Seattle and beat them. But they suffered a lot of injuries yesterday. So San Francisco right now, definitely the better and healthier team should, if they win that, will be the number one seed in the NFC. Speaking of number one seeds, the Ravens secured the number one seed in the AFC, beating the Browns 31-15. to uh, Browns, uh, you know, seal in another losing record for another year in a row. I believe the only team without a winning record in the past decade, if I remember correctly. I've been drinking a lot since the other day, so I can't remember exactly how that, <laughs> stands, that goes, but... Uh, just a, another disappointing game, unfortunately, because this game really looked good for the most part. I got out of Star Wars about halfway through the first half, was listening to the game on my way home, watched it. Obviously, was looking really good up until about those last two minutes of the of the uh, half there where Baltimore scored twice, and then it just looked like they seized all momentum in that game. Lamar Jackson, 20-31, 238 yards and three touchdowns, adds 103 yards on the ground in this one. QB4 with 31.1 or 31.8 points. Mark Ingram, RB15, with 16.1 points. Gets you 55 yards on eight carries. Does get you a receiving touchdown on 35 yards and two catches. Justice Hill gets you a touchdown on the ground with 19 yards, adds 32 yards on three catches, and then Mark Andrews has himself a huge day here against the Browns. Two touchdowns, 93 yards in this one on a couple catches, gets you 24.3 points, currently tied and one on the week. I'm sorry, not a couple, six catches uh, to be exact. So Andrews' balls out continues to be, as we've said multiple times, right up there in the top five of tight ends, probably going to finish as a top three tight end. I think it's going to be him, Kelsey, and uh, Kittle as the top tight end on the season, unfortunately due to the Hooper injury, that's what, which has dropped him a little bit. But Hooper, had he stayed yeah. healthy, I think it'd be right up there. I mean, all these guys come through for you. I think the biggest fear now we have is Mark Ingram. Uh, we we know that it was some kind of uh, injury. I can't remember what they said the injury calf was. Injury. Calf injury. So that's good. Obviously, you get a little bit of worry. Uh, you don't want to mix two sports here, but. You know, Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals last year had a little bit of a calf injury turned into he then tore his Achilles because of it. I don't think it's that serious, but they did pull Mark Ingram off right off then. They've already come out and said today that the starters are not playing in this one. Probably a good call on their part. Uh, I still think maybe you play him for a quarter or so because having three weeks off is a lot, I think, for NFL offenses, but... Baltimore has been phenomenal all season long. So Baltimore gets it done. Your thoughts on the Ravens and, and securing that number one seed in the AFC. So everything is running through the bank this offseason in the AFC. Yeah, and I think Lamar Jackson basically cinched up NFL regular season MVP yeah, yesterday that's for too. Sure. I, I earlier in the season maybe made cases for other folks, but uh, if anybody makes a case over him, I'd say at this point I'd say it has to be biased because what they've done is incredible. I get the idea of not really wanting to you know be off for too long, but at the same 
token, we've seen a quad injury and a lot of bang up for uh, Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews missed with either an ankle or a knee. I can't remember. Yeah. A couple uh, weeks ago. Knee. And now yeah, you got, knee. yeah, now you have the calf injury for Ingram. You want those guys to be at their best. And I think what you've seen uh, gives you enough confidence that, yeah, you know, sitting them in, especially if they were playing somebody else, maybe you play them a quarter or so. Pittsburgh has a pretty physical and ferocious defense, and there's yeah, no love true. loss between those teams. Why, you know, we can be critical that you're giving too much time off, but if they played a quarter and Lamar Jackson gets like knocked out with a concussion or something awful uh, because of a, you know, a rivalry hit in the first quarter, then we're wondering why John Harbaugh sacrificed his playoffs. Yeah. So that's true. it's a no win scenario. I think they're probably making the right choice given. You know, Jackson doesn't need to take any more hits. He's taken a ton of hits. Yeah, and I forgot to mention Mark Andrews pulled up pretty uh, pulled up lame in that game as well uh, with a I believe it was a hamstring issue at the time. Uh, they were down in the red zone. He got pass interference called on him, uh, which looked to be a touchdown at the time. Same thing. He came off the field with a what they said was a hamstring issue. So yeah, they've they've got a couple guys banged up. They don't have to worry about it anymore they, due to how good they have been all season long. They are the number one seed, so good for them. Rest them. I'm sure that they'll do all kinds of stuff to stay ready. I mean, John Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl. He's a veteran head coach, so he does know what he's doing. Don't don't mind me. I, I should not be questioning him. I'm just a humble podcaster, so I will not uh, I will not at all put my NFL knowledge up there with John Harbaugh. On the Browns side, I mean, it pretty much ends a miserable season. Uh, I would not be surprised if they if they lose to the Bengals next week, if we're all being honest with ourselves here. Baker Mayfield, 20 of 33, 192 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Comes in at QB 15 with 15.1 points. Kareem Hunt, uh, the best running back on the day, mostly due to what he does in the receiving game. He does nothing on the ground with three carries, uh, but does get 33 yards on four catches. Nick Chubb, just 45 yards on 15 carries, just could not get anything going in this one. They really kind of moved away from him in the first half, which was confusing to me, to say the least. Odell, wide receiver, 22 with 12.4 points, 44 yards, four catches, and a touchdown. Jarvis, 74 yards on seven catches. I mean, I feel like uh, I, taking my Browns bias aside, I feel like this is another team that is going to be very interesting to watch in the offseason. They've obviously had uh, the past couple weeks a lot of drama and blowups on the sidelines. I've, a talk for, I would say, probably all the way back to the Denver game uh, where a lot of people thought the Browns should have won that. Had they won that, maybe you're looking at almost a completely different season right now. That's the problem. They've had too many games that they should have won that they let go. Seattle, uh, Denver, uh, Arizona, another one. They just let themselves get punched in the mouth. It's not been a good season. Obviously, a lot of talk about Freddie Kitchens being gone uh, after one year. Something we'll definitely talk about uh, on the – some point in time, either Thursday or sometime next week. Uh, we know next Monday is considered a uh, Black Monday when you'll see a yeah. lot of head coaches fired. Uh, hopefully, if we get, I'm hoping we'll get a chance to all get together before then talk about who we think might be gone. Uh, but Freddie Kitchens is definitely going to be a big Maybe question mark. I'm sorry. Maybe Thursday would be a. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say Thursday. I just didn't know with, with Tony's schedule. I don't want to commit right now, but at least me and you can get together on Thursday and talk about it. Because uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet, but that was what my plan is for Thursday's podcast. But, I mean, a lot of big questions for the Browns uh, going into going into this uh, this offseason. So what about you? What are, I guess what are your biggest questions or what do you think might happen between now and when we talk again Thursday? 
Well, on that same uh, championship-seeking uh, squad where I had Deshaun Watson, my RB1 was Nick Chubb, so, uh, and yeah. RB2 was Le- Le'Veon Bell, and wide receiver one was Amari Cooper. So I'll let, <sighs> I'll let you leave it to your imagination how I'm feeling about that team this morning. Wonderful. Uh, That'd be but, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. My heart goes out to them. Uh, it makes sense. It was a Game of Thrones themed league and I was House Stark, so I made it all the way to the end and was nobly sacrificed. There you go. At least you uh, can look at the bright side of it, right? You know, I, I somewhat, right? You made it there, right? That's what everybody says. You At least you yeah. made it to the championship. Yeah. You know, which means that I get to serve the honor as first loser. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it was tough to watch. Obviously, uh, it's a tough team to figure out of late. Uh, some ugliness, even amongst, obviously, the frustration with the fans. You saw at one point in time, um, I know you've probably seen the clip where they were booing yeah. Baker, and he kind of waved them off, and they responded with the single-finger salute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just not what you're – you're wanting to see kind of some of the tension uh, and everything. Maybe another, you know, with a lot of going into this year, we wondered with so many big time talents and big time personalities, a lot of times you need a real strong coach to be able to keep that together, you know, with Odell and Jarvis Landry. And, you know, you have Hunt, you have Chubb, you have Baker, a lot of big kind of personalities, Miles Garrett. Uh, and Freddie Kitchens last year, you know, when he all he had to focus on was calling the plays and, and you had Greg Williams to kind of manage the other things, it allowed him to do what he does best. Maybe this was a learning experience. I know you and I a couple of weeks ago, uh, you and Dennis were a little bit on the opposite end of me thinking that he deserved another chance. I, I thought some of the what's worrying to me is not so much six and nine. You know, you can have a season where you don't meet expectation. We just talked about the 49ers a minute ago last year, going into last year, the 49ers were kind of like what uh, the Browns team came into this year. They, they yeah. looked like, Hey, you've gotten a lot of pieces. You ended the previous season on a high with the guy you brought in as franchise quarterback. Now you're poised to really take the step forward and injuries and different things didn't work out. It's not so much the losing and maybe being a year later, than expected going it's some of the things that have made it seem like they don't they don't have good control and good cohesion that if i was a big browns fan would probably be a little bit more troubling about what we've seen this year yeah i mean for me it's it's the lack of discipline that just i can't remember what the word is i I was thinking about it's like the it's genius like the play calling has just been atrocious at yeah. times. Like I feel like Freddie Kitchens is trying to outsmart people. Like I, Waterboy was on the other day, and it, it made me think of the scene. I don't know if you've seen that movie uh, where yeah. where the coach is like, or maybe we fake the fake. Like I feel like that's Freddie Kitchens right there. Like he, he's trying to be too imaginative with some of these play calls. There was that play uh, where it was a third and one, and they just tried to, to do that pitch play to Kareem Hunt where he's supposed to throw it to Jarvis Landry. Like, why not just give it to the leading rusher in the NFL and let him run it up the middle for the whopping one yard that you need? Like, I don't understand some of the play calling. We've seen it all season long with these weird pitch plays or these screen passes that just don't work and that they keep doing them. So, I'm with you. I do think that maybe the reason Freddie Kitchens was so successful last year was that Greg Williams, and, and he is known for being kind of like that. While he, he does 
from everything you hear from the teams that he's on is a player's coach. Coaches like to play for him. He does seem to be kind of like that totalitarian government kind of thing where he comes in as like, look, you're going to do what I say. And it did allow Freddie to kind of be like buddy-buddy with the players and, and kind of just worry about the play calling. And I do think that's part of the problem, too. There are many times I've seen on the on the broadcast where big things are going on. And I understand that he's not in charge of the defense, and Steve Wilkes is, but stuff is going on on the defense, and they're making bad plays or something's going on. Then you see Freddie over there with his arm around Jarvis trying to calm him down. Like, that's not your job, Freddie. You need to be coaching the game. You are the head coach. Do not worry about Jarvis's feelings being hurt because he's not getting the ball enough. Worry about that later. Right now, you've got to take care of what's going on during the game. So it will be interesting to see what happens. They've got a ton of talent. Obviously, there's all the rumors about Landry, Beckham. You know, there was a rumors before a couple weeks ago saying that they wanted to get out. They both came out and said that they don't want to go anywhere. Are they just saying that? There's really no way to know at this point. Definitely going to be an interesting offseason for the Browns. Two more teams that I think will have uh, interesting offseasons here. The Carolina Panthers and the Indianapolis Colts. The Panthers losing 6-38 to in this one. Will Greer getting his first start under center for the Panthers. He goes 27 of 44, 224 yards, throws three interceptions in this one. Does add 17 yards on the ground. QB 31 with 7.7 points. CMC continues to be a beast. 54 yards on 13 carries, 119 yards on 15 catches. RB5 with 24.8 points. Unfortunately, I don't think you can put uh, – my goodness, I, I, I was going to call him David Moore. DJ Moore on the studs that let you down list. He got knocked out, got a concussion. You really can't plan on that. He's been a stud all season long. That's just unfortunate. Uh, but with him going out, nobody really stepped up and did anything. The best wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, with just 17 yards on two catches. Wide receiver, 72 with 3.1 points. I don't know if we'll – it'll be interesting to see. This is obviously one of the few teams we know has already made a coaching change, so this is one of the teams that will be affected with all the uh, the, the coaching moves and everything. Will they keep Will Greer as their quarterback? They drafted him in the third round last year. This is a, a somewhat okay quarterback class in my opinion. I think it's a re- really top-heavy this year compared to depth. So we'll see maybe if they draft another guy, they stick with Will Greer. There's a couple quarterbacks that might be available. Definitely going to be interesting. I think it's all going to depend on the coach that – that comes in though with this team do you have any thoughts on the Panthers I think if anything what we've seen the balance of the back part of this season is uh they would be foolhardy to move on from Cam Newton if they think he's healthy yeah. I agree with uh, you and on plus that. I guess the other person I feel bummed out for is has anyone ever had a more productive season that's meant less to their team's success <sighs> than poor Christian McCaffrey I mean, what more do? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to think of someone off the top of my head. I mean, if you if you really think about it, had say Cam not gotten hurt, or I mean, they were somewhat trending down with Cam. If they were in the playoff hunt right now, I honestly think Christian McCaffrey. It would still be a conversation between him and Lamar Jackson. I understand Lamar Jackson yeah. has led the Ravens to the number one seed in the AFC, but what we're seeing out of Christian McCaffrey at the running back position is. Well, I can't say unheard of because kind of what Lamar's doing is as well. Lamar would still win it, but I think McCaffrey would at this least be in the discussion. This is kind of what Saquon did, I guess, last year. So maybe that's the the best comparison because yeah. Saquon was otherworldly. It was both a receiver and a runner last year for most of the year, and it was completely meaningless for the Giants who ended up with this number six pick. I mean, it feels like it's going to be the exact same thing for the Panthers. 
Um, it just, I don't know. Kyle Allen looked good for, for a few weeks, but I think we've seen he's probably a great career backup. You know, he's a guy you'd love to have to be able to throw out there. He can win you a few games as a spot starter. Uh, that was always kind of what I felt about Trevor Simeon when he got thrust into that role for, for Denver. There were times when you looked at him and he looked like he was comfortable and times when he looked like he was out of his depth. I think he could be a decent, you know, backup kind of like that. Maybe, you know, Josh McCown, we think of as a little differently because he's gotten different starting opportunities, but he's somebody that's been a journeyman that's always been a decent backup. Will Greer, there were a lot of people, including our friend John Hamler, who have been agitating to see him, you know, since the Panthers yeah. season has lost. I, I admit that I was curious. We've seen pretty much all the quarterbacks from the class of 19 now get to roll out uh, that were bigger ones. You know, we didn't see Jared Stidham, but, uh, We've seen pretty much everyone except for uh, him and Will Greer. Um, just doesn't that doesn't look like the the answer? Of course, you know, with having no head coach and and kind of a really lost season might be unfair to judge. But yeah. it was the flashes we saw of Kyle Allen in this spot last year that made us think he might have something. So I just. <clears throat> You know, it was real trendy in the middle of the season to say, well, the the Panthers don't need Cam Newton. They've obviously found a solution. They can move on. It's not that easy. I mean, even no. the, the team we're going to talk about on the opposite side, the Colts, Jacoby Brissett is a talented guy who's done pretty well for himself. But, you know, it's not that easy to displace somebody who has that elite level talent and who has taken you. I mean, Cam Newton is an NFL MVP. He took a team to the Super Bowl. To just think you can you can wipe that away and replace them with just anybody, you know, I think it's been a tough lesson for the Panthers. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Greer is I wish they would have given him a shot earlier. We, we, we've kind of seen for a while now that this Kyle Allen experience wasn't working. I am someone else who is really high on Will Greer in, in the draft process. I, I want to say I had him right around four or five in that draft class. Like, I think he's got – Talent, maybe not to be an elite NFL starter, but I still think he could be someone that, that is viable and can win you games. And I don't think that the sample size, the two games, is going to be enough to keep him a job. Again, we'll, well see. Especially they're getting the Saints next week. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to be an easy one. Looking at the back end of their schedule, if they weren't going to put them in against a, a Atlanta, this probably was the right spot to try to drop them in. But it's tough to start on the road. Just – no matter what, I wouldn't say anything we're going to see will make us think he's ready. Yeah, oh, I agree with you. The one thing I do want to see from next week, and I'll be rooting for, is Christian McCaffrey to get 67 receiving yards. That'll put him 1,000 and 1,000 on the season. Only uh, two other backs have done that in NFL history, so I'd love to see that happen for him. At least let him get something worthy out of this season because he has definitely poured his uh, – you know, his heart, mind, and body into this season. And the other unfortunate part about this, I, I, I this is what I'm, I'm saying way down the road, but you've also got to think something you mentioned that the, the toll that everything that he's done this season kind of amounts for nothing. Imagine how that might also kind of dampen his career later on as well with a lot of the hits that he's been taking yep. for literally nothing. And, and he's been such a phenomenal player. It does kind of suck to see that happen. Uh, you mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he started off so hot at the beginning of the season. really kind of come down. I still think a lot of it has to do with the injuries. 
Uh, but he, yep. he goes uh, 14-27, 119 yards, no touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Does get a rushing touchdown in 37 yards as well on the ground. Comes in at QB 18 with 14.5 points. Marlon Mack, 95 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. Comes in as... RB11 with 17 points. Jordan Wilkins also comes in at RB16 with 14.4 points in this one. Uh, 84 yards and one touchdown on nine carries. T.Y. Hilton, the best wide receiver on the day for them, comes in at wide receiver 59 with 4.1 points. Just 26 yards on three catches. A lot of their points came in special teams in Naheem Hines, who returned two punts, four touchdowns. I guess my biggest thing for this team is they obviously need to add a little bit or at least one more good wide receiver. I love Paris Campbell, but he has not been able to stay on the field. Uh, we'll see what they do at the running back position. This this class is going to be loaded with running backs. I'm someone who, while Marlon Mack has looked good at times this season, I still think he's a middle-of-the-road running back. I don't think he's a lead at anything. He's just good. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if they add another one with that. And then what they do with the quarterback position. They they only signed Brissett for two years. So I don't know. if it, Do they draft a quarterback this year? Do they possibly take a quarterback next year? I am not sure. As good as he looked at the beginning of the season, his kind of tail off here, whether it was injuries or not, you – as much as I hate to say this because I like Brissett, you expect your quarterback to elevate everybody around them, and I'm not sure you can say that he did that, even though he was playing with some second and third stringers here. So Brissett's future as the Colts QB, I think, is a little bit more murky than it was at the beginning of this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how fair it is to judge because it's not only injuries to, to his supporting cast, which has been fairly well decimated, but he's struggled got a little banged up and injured too and has tried to fight through it but i think we've seen some other quarterbacks try to fight through injuries and not look as good or as effective i uh this kind of came up uh after last week's game when they got kind of decimated in new orleans uh there was a lot of upset upset colts fans i heard calling in i was listening to charlie weiss who's somebody uh you know who was patriots offensive coordinator for a long time uh, kind of talking about this, he said, you know, other quarterbacks, you give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt when they're hurt and they're playing hurt and they lose a bunch of people and they come back and don't look as good in a season. Why do we not give him more of a benefit of the doubt? And it kind of made me think about it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, he his first starting stint with Indianapolis, they were not a very good team and he kind of got thrown to the Lions. This one... I thought they were they're a better team, but he did not spend all off season or even most of the preseason preparing. They can they can talk about how he got reps and opportunities because Andrew Luck was injured, but up until it, it's different taking the reps knowing you're the person as opposed to taking the reps just because the other guy's not available. It yeah. was really close to the season when this gets made, and you know the whole setup for the Colts, the whole idea of what they were going to try to be and try to do was based around Luck, who, you know, is a very different kind of player, too. I thought their running game has worked uh, pretty well. You know, in a game like this, I wouldn't even fault his stats. When you're blowing the other team out and you're running all over them, you're not going to throw the ball. So that's not that surprising either. I I want to see him get another shot. Um I think it's just a little bit of bad luck for the Colts and yeah. a little bit of adjustment. 
there's every possibility they're going to beat the Jaguars next week and finish eight and eight. That's not altogether a terrible season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I talked about it many a times. I thought the Colts were going to still be a playoff team with this roster. I, I'm with you. I do think injuries have been the biggest factor that have hurt this team. I, I still love what Frank Wright has done. I love what Brissett has done. I do think they need to give him next year. I just don't. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if people are questioning him. I, I, I can't. You can't put all of that on the injuries and everything. You've seen other quarterbacks, as you were saying, play injured or play with injured teammates, and, and they still get it done. So, you know, I I don't know where you put that. I would love to see Brissett get at least one more year. He did get a two-year extension, so technically he is signed for two more years with the Colts. I'd love to see him get to play out that contract because I do think he will get the Colts to the playoffs. And while I don't think he is elite, I do think he falls somewhere in that second tier of quarterbacks. He's more than a good enough QB. Uh, I don't think he's a backup guy, if, if that makes sense. I do think he's a starter-worthy quarterback, in my opinion. So I'd love to see him get a little bit more run here uh, with the Colts, at least next year, if not longer. Let's see. What do we got next? Ooh, the Giants and the Redskins, one of the few overtime games in a game that realistically did not matter. Uh, the Giants 41, Redskins 35. Well, we have two overtime games yesterday, right? Both of the the worst the four, worst four teams in the league, I believe. The Bengals and the Dolphins was the other one. Uh, so the Giants side here, Daniel Jones comes back off the bench and has himself a game. 28 of 42, 352 yards and five touchdowns. He comes in as QB2 with 35.3 points. Say Quan Barkley talked about it on Friday's podcast. I said he was going to continue to dominate. He does. 189 yards, 22 carries, one touchdown. Adds 90 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Looked like the Saquon of old. Sterling Shepard, Corey Lattimore, and Golden Tate all come through in this one. Shepard, wide receiver nine with 16.6 points, 76 yards on five. I'm sorry, six catches and a touchdown. Latimer, 44 yards on five catches and a touchdown. Coming at wide receiver 17 with 12.9 points. And Tate, 96 yards on six catches wide receiver 21 with 12.6 points Caden Smith as well at tight end six catches 35 yards and two touchdowns in this one just a great game for the Giants somewhat they they lose to win uh Smith tight end five with 18.5 points forgot that part uh you know, yes, they won, but they also kind of lose in a way. I, I think they probably wanted to lose this game. They would have been the number two pick, which I think is going to be the best pick in Chase Young. I think he is, Buckeyes bias aside, the best player in the draft this year because I do think Cincinnati is going Joe Burrow. But a win's a win. You know, you, you are happy about that. The current team is not looking at who they're taking in the draft. They're looking at trying to win every game. They're out there on the field. Uh, so Daniel Jones, I guess he's the biggest question really for us. From what I've seen from him, yes, he's had his downside, but he's also had some pretty high ups. I think, for the most part, New York, the New York Giants have have answered their question. I do think that they have at least a good quarterback in there in Daniel Jones. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think he's been better than some of us thought he might be. Um, it's been an up and down time. They've really got to do something to fix their defense, which is a problem. Um, you know, offensive line, obviously a problem. What's interesting is you saw yesterday what we had kind of hoped for, which is you had seen 2018 Saquon Barkley kind of tearing it up and doing everything. You thought if you got a little bit of a better, more dynamic passer, you'd be in good shape. And what 
I think has been more of a struggle for the Giants at times this year has been that we have not seen what we saw in 2018 of Saquon Barkley. We saw it, of course, the last two weeks, which that has to be maddening for fantasy owners for a whole other reason. If you drafted Saquon Barkley first in your redraft league, you're probably not even in the playoffs in these last two weeks. You know, the guy who has him in my work league. Uh, yesterday was reclaimed. He's like, why is Saquon actually playing like this now? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that we've wondered, you know, the Giants are a team where it's been fair to wonder if they have the right coach in place, too. I think they're going to have some offseason questions, but not so much about Daniel Jones. That actually seems to be a gamble and a controversial pick that's worked. I, I've been a lot more impressed by what I've seen of him than his opposite number on the opposite side of the field Sunday in Haskins, who was somebody that people would have preferred going into that draft. Yeah. I mean, Haskins, the one thing I'll say for him, um, who would, uh, Mitch Trubisky, I was trying to remember who I was going to try and compare him to. Haskins did only get the one year at Ohio state. And and the one thing I will say is, I don't know how much college football you've had a chance to watch. He didn't beat out Joe Burrow, who who is considered to be like one of the best prospects coming into the draft right now at quarterback. And that's not easy to do. I watched every snap that Haskins took at Ohio state as, as I am a huge Buckeyes fan. And I said, coming out, he, he has, all of the talent in the world, but he's young. I mean, I think he's only like 21, 22 years old. He's he's right a little bit older than Sam Darnold. He's not old. He needs time to he needs time to be ready. And and in all honesty, it sucked for him going to the Redskins because I think that's probably one of the worst organizations you can go to. Uh, I I believed when. I know that Jay Gruden didn't want to take him, and from everything we've heard, Jay Gruden did not like Haskins, but I did believe Jay Gruden when he said that Haskins wasn't ready. I, I from the beginning, have said that the only quarterbacks I would have played uh, coming out in the draft this year were Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. I thought those were the only guys that were really pro-ready moving forward. Um, I do like, I do think Haskins has improved. It, it sucks that he got the injury. He's not going to play next week. I would have liked to see him kind of finish out the season. Uh, we'll see what happens. The other bad thing I think for him is too, he's now going to probably get a whole new coaching staff in, which is a whole new system and yeah, everything. So gonna. that that's probably going to hurt him even more. You know, you're looking at guys like Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, who are guys who are getting like new offensive coordinators and coaches in almost every other year, never got set in a system. So we'll see what happens with him. But I did think he was improving throughout the year. Let's see, he finishes the day, gets the ankle injury, comes out early. So we saw Case Keenum in there as well. Haskins finishes the day as QB 19 with uh, 13.3 points in this one. Again, uh, Keenum comes in as well. Keenum finishes the day as QB 14 with 16.4 points. Keenum, 16 of 22, 158 yards and a touchdown. Haskins, 12 of 15, 133 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Adrian Peterson, RB 18 with 12.5 points, 36 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries. Uh, let's see here. Sammy Sims Jr., the rookie, has himself a – Sorry, Sims Steven. Jr. I don't know why I said Sammy. Steven Sims Jr., 64 yards, two touchdowns on six catches. Uh, comes in as wide receiver three with 22.3 points. And Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 26 with 12.10 points, 86 yards, seven catches. He also got banged up in this one as well. Uh, I really think that's going to be the biggest question for them. We, we've seen, obviously, McLaurin looks like – 
uh, is going to be the one for this offense. Sneaky add, I think, in Dynasty Leagues is uh, Kelvin Harmon. He has been steadily good the past four or five weeks here. I think he's been slowly rising up. I do think he's going to end up being the number two there in Washington. Really good wide receiver in college at NC State. I'm telling you guys, if he's on your waiver wire, pick him up. He will be good next year. The big question is obviously going to be, what are they going to do with uh, the coaching system and how Haskins will fit in that? And obviously, Darius guys, if he'll ever be able to stay on the field, because I do imagine Adrian Peterson will likely not be back next season. What are your thoughts on the Redskins? Yeah, pretty much all the same. I, I'm curious about Sims. He's, uh, you know, they've had a lot of injuries, um, you know, and I don't read too much into having a good day against the Giants because they're secondary not good when you release your top corner and he's relieved not to have to play for your team. That kind of tells you something about your past defense. Uh, I had thought Adrian Peterson was actually going to have a, a good day here because we've seen teams uh, do well running against uh, the Giants. Um, and, you know, he actually had a decent game against the Eagles who are tough to run against. So that was a little uh, frustrating, a little surprising. But Redskins, another team, not very good. They need uh, offensive line help. They need defensive help. They probably need a good coach. A lot of, a lot of questions. They, they, you know, whereas I wouldn't be shocked if a couple of things fell into place, if the giants, especially in that NFC East were potentially, uh, in the playoff hunt next year, the Redskins to me feel like a team that's more than a year away. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of really good pieces on their defense. I think, really, they need to, to figure out their offense. I, I like a lot of the young players they have on defense. I think they need to bring in a new defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see what they do with the offense. I really think they need to bring in a new GM, because I think Bruce Allen is probably one of the biggest issues with that team altogether. But, I mean, I, I, that's just from what I hear from Redskins fans, so, so I don't know. Uh, we're going to skip around here a little bit. There's two more games I want to hit on as we're just now passing the hour mark because I really want to get into some of the Star Wars talk with you. So we'll do Saints and Titans, and then we'll finish with Broncos and Lions. So New Orleans wins this one 38-28. Drew Brees continues uh, continues his really good run here as of late. Um, gets my guy the record, which we'll definitely touch on here in a minute. Drew Brees, 21, 27 of 38, 279 yards, three touchdowns, comes in as QB7 with 22.9 points. Alvin Kamara, RB4 with 26 points, 80 yards, finally gets in the end zone with two touchdowns in this one on 11 carries, gets you 30 yards on six catches in the receiving game. And then Michael Thomas, wide receiver two on the week with 25.6 points. 136 yards on 12 catches and one touchdown. Breaks Marvin Harrison's record. Congratulations to him. I mean, one of, in my opinion, the most humble and best wide receivers in the game. I love this kid. Uh, I love that he got this record. And still with one game left to go, which is insane to me. Marvin Harrison got this record in Week 17 when he broke it. There is a realistic shot that Michael Thomas could put up another 10 catches onto this. He's been averaging 9 catches a game. You know, he is the number one option. The Saints are playing for everything next week against the Panthers. It's not just a, a game to play. They still have a shot to get a two seed, especially if the Packers lose tonight or lose next week. 
So they have everything to play for. And what's even more interesting to me is, yes, Marvin Harrison was by far Peyton Manning's go-to weapon in Indianapolis, but they have Reggie Wayne on the other side. Michael Thomas has absolutely no one else with him in that receiving game. The defenses know he is Brees' number one target, and yet he still does this, still gets the yards. He is, in my opinion, hands down. I was talking earlier in the year, was DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas. I think it's Michael Thomas, tear break. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, whoever else you want to throw up there. I think Michael Thomas is in a class of his own, as much as I hate to say it, like Antonio Brown was for a good run there with all the points he would get in PPR and touchdowns. Your thoughts on the Saints and their offense and Michael Thomas? Yeah, I remember in the offseason when he got that contract that made him the highest paid receiver in football, there were a lot of questions about whether he was worth that. I think he's answered all those questions and then some. Yeah. Been a been a pretty great season. It was nice to see uh, Kamara kind of get it going, have some big plays, get into the end zone. They're playing, I believe, the Panthers next week. Um, obviously, a team that's pretty soft on the ground. It'd be good to see them uh, as somebody who likes the Saints and would kind of like to see the Saints go on a run in what feels like is tracking more and more to possibly be Breeze last season. Yeah. Uh, you know, because Breeze turned 40. You know, we think about Tom Brady being kind of the old quarterback, but Breeze turned 40, had that thumb injury, uh, you know, has a lot of things that he wants to do, has a lot of records now. Uh, I think if the Saints went on a real run and, and got back to the Super Bowl, that that could be it for him and what a way it would be to go out. But, you know, Thomas has carried them all season. It's been nice to see Kamara and Cook, both of whom had a pair of touchdowns yesterday, kind of at least rounding into shape. And then Taysom Hill just continues to impress, you know, 20 yards passing rushes for 11 catches, two passes for 21 yards. That guy's a a true weapon. The saints are are a fun team to watch. Yeah, I would, as much as I hate to say this, because the NFC is just so loaded and I, I would love to see any of those teams go to be honest with you. I think they're all kind of a lot of fun to watch. Even the Vikings and Packers who are probably the two teams. Most are not talking that much about, I would love to see the Saints go and win it just for Breeze to go out on a high note because I do think they deserve to be there last year. I think it would have been a much better game uh, between them and the Patriots had they got there. They did kind of get screwed. I do think they would have won it. I don't know if Breeze would have gone out at the end of last year had they won it, but I I would love to see him go out on a high note, at least get that shot to get to one more Super Bowl because I do believe they should have been there last year, and they they definitely got robbed in that one. Uh, On the Titans side, they're a team that has a, that has everything in front of them. They've got to beat the Texans this week, and they will be in the playoffs. And if I'm going to be honest, not just because I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would honestly love to see the Titans make it into the playoffs. I think they're a good team. I think that it would be fun to watch in that first round. Uh, Ryan Tannehill brings a different spark to this offense we did not see from Marcus Mariota. I think the Titans could honestly be an upset team in that first round. I think they could honestly beat somebody. Ryan Tannehill goes QB6 this week with 23.7 points in this one. Get, uh, my goodness, sorry. I, I, <coughs> there we go. I was trying not to cough. 17-27, 272, and three touchdowns. Uh, does add eight yards on the ground. Deion Lewis comes in and plays uh, with Derrick Henry down. Just 68 yards on 15 carries in this one. RB28 with 9.2 points. A.J. Brown continues to be an absolute stud, and and all honesty, I think is going to be the number one for a long time moving forward with the Tennessee Titans. 49 yards on a rushing touchdown adds 34 yards on just one catch, though. 
In the receiving game, Jonu Smith gets a 63-yard uh, touchdown catch. As or, I'm sorry, 41-yard touchdown catch for 63 yards on three catches altogether. And Tajay Sharp, uh, who I'm sure everybody was starting in their fantasy lineups this week, 69 yards, two touchdowns on five catches. I guess the biggest question for me will be Tannehill. I would imagine he does stay for Tennessee. I, I can't see him moving on. He, from everything we've heard in the interviews he has done, he likes being there, wants to stay there. I would imagine with everything he's done for this offense, they're going to offer him a contract and keep him there. If he stays, do you think Tennessee continues to be a, a playoff uh, contender for the next couple years? Uh, I think so. They they found something with him and with Derrick Henry, who they obviously really missed on Sunday. Um, you know, I, their offense has made great strides. I like their head coach, Mike Brabel. Um, I think that's been a real underrated uh, head coach signing for the last couple of years. He gives them a spark. He uh, really has helped them coalesce and find ways to win and find ways to win big games. They were they were in it, you know, for as much as we praise. New Orleans and how unstoppable they look at times. The the Titans were right in there fighting uh, all the way. Actually, led fourteen uh, nothing at one point. So, yeah, you know, I know. I was watching. They will be an interesting team to get in the playoffs. That's why I kind of wonder if uh, you know there's some talk the Texans have already won the division. They have an outside shot of, of bettering their seed if they win. But if I was the Texans, I might try to win next week just to try to keep a team like Tennessee out. Yeah. Uh, because of the kind of things that you're talking about, you know, not wanting the chance having to play uh, that team. The unfortunate thing for them is if they get in right now, the way seeding is tracking, they'd go to Kansas City. And I, they, you know, they have won there this season so if i was the chiefs i might be a little nervous about that too yeah i mean i I wouldn't be surprised if they try and come out and win that one just so they can keep tennessee out of being a a division division rival and all but we'll see what happens i mean i'd like to see him get in as i said i think they'd be i think you definitely would rather play pittsburgh right now because while that defense is definitely better in pittsburgh i really don't think anybody is scared of that offense whether it's duck or well we already know mason rudolph i believe the report was he's going to miss multiple weeks with that shoulder injury so you're looking at duck hodges you're really not worried about that offense whatsoever. That defense might slow you down a little bit, but you could probably be like, all right, I can put up 10 points and beat this team. So I, I would, I would agree with you. You're likely less, uh, you're, you're less scared of whoever else gets in, even if it's Oakland. I, I don't think you're that scared of Oakland who does have an outside chance. But yeah, I was, before we move on to the Denver game, I was watching that game as well because I was getting very pissed off because at that point in time, I believe the Browns had gone up 6-0 because they had missed the extra point. Uh, and Tennessee was up 14 to nothing. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, all we need to do is have the Saints win, which we all thought was going to happen. They ended up pulling it off and the Browns win and they would actually be sitting in a prime spot right now to get into the playoffs. And they go, they let me down as they always do. Well, let's, let's move on to a much happier subject in your Denver Broncos who pull off a win here against the Lions, winning 27 to 17. On the Lions side, uh, David Blau, 12 to 24, 117 yards and one touchdown touchdown in this one uh instead of uh my god why did i forget his name matt stafford i don't know why i forgot matt stafford who i i imagine we're we're not gonna see him i don't know why they didn't just put him on ir qb 29 they did oh he's on 
IR. Oh, I don't know when I missed that. So I apologize, Detroit. Thank you for putting him on IR. Uh, he gets uh, 8.7 points. Carry on Johnson, who they activated uh, for some reason. I, I really don't understand that one either, but he came out, played a little bit in this one. RB46 with 4.8 points, gets 10 carries for 42 yards. And uh, one catch for one yard. And Kenny Galladay continues to be an absolute stud. 66 yards, six catches, and a touchdown. If he didn't cause you to lose last week, which he might have, he at least came through for you this week. Wide receiver 11 with 15.6 points. Lion side, I mean, really, I think it's just going to be what Patricia does next uh, in the offseason and with the draft. I, I think this offense is good. They've got to improve that defense. I really think that they are close to contending if they can improve that defense. Yeah, the defense has got to improve. It's kind of surprising since Patricia's a defensive guy, but they talked a lot yesterday uh, about the massive amounts of injuries they've suffered in the front seven, which is going to take a toll, and I think they've lost some talent there the last couple of years and not successfully addressed that or been able to put that back. Um, I think the carry-on Johnson thing was interesting. Uh, a lot of the talk yesterday, obviously since I watched the game, was – he was determined that he wanted to come back and play. And um, I guess the way Patricia viewed it is that's the kind of people you want to have on your team that you want to go to battle with, the kind of people that are going to say it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter for our season. If I can fight my way back, I'm going to do it. By the same token, if you saw him get activated, you were probably tempted to try to play him. And I was kind of laughing a little bit i think i put something in our group chat uh to start the game it was the combination of scarborough and mckissick and they kept showing carry on johnson just kind of chilling on the sideline i'm like okay so you activated him to be both scarborough's backup he did start to get more carries and i think they worked him in um you know not a lot to say about where detroit is right now i was kind of happy they came out and said that they uh, were standing behind patricia and that they're giving him another year because i thought Detroit, at the beginning of the season, looked pretty strong. They had the kind of tough luck fade in Arizona week one that gave them the tie. They had that, uh, I guess it was it was either week five or week six, that really poorly officiated game uh, where I thought they beat the Packers. They yeah. did enough to beat the Packers, but unfortunately that one doesn't go their way. And then the heartbreaking loss to Kansas City, you know, if if you get a couple of those things, this, this was a team that looked like it could have been 6-0. Yep. So, you know, then they had a ton of injuries, a ton of other things. So I, I'm glad they're going to get a chance to try to build on that. Um, I I think they've been a more promising than their record. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. On uh, Denver side here, Drew Locke comes in at QB20 with 12.7 points in this one. He goes uh, 25 of 33, 192 yards and one touchdown. Philip Lindsay has himself a nice day here. 19 carries for 109 yards and one touchdown. Adds nine yards in the receiving game to come in at RB8 with 18.8 points. Deshaun Hamilton gets a touchdown, 65 yards and a touchdown on six catches. And then Cortland Sutton uh, has had a couple bad weeks here in a row, unfortunately. 41 yards on five catches. Wide receiver 47 with six Point six points for Denver side here. I mean, I don't want to be too optimistic. You are the Denver fan, but from the the highlights and everything that I saw, I think Denver's found their future quarterback. I really like what Locke has looked like from what I've seen. Uh, obviously, I think their offense is really good. Uh, I love Lindsey, love Sutton. 
I'm really happy that Deshaun Hamilton had a good game because I thought he was uh, an underrated drafted uh, pick a couple years ago. Uh, thought or Last year, I thought he was going to have a pretty good rookie wide receiver season. I think he came on a little bit at the end of last year. Thought he'd take a bigger step forward this year. Hasn't quite happened. Uh, interested if, if that continues to move forward at all. They have obviously a lot of guys there. Tim Patrick, Noah Fant at the tight end position who has been really good so far this season as well. So what are your thoughts on Denver and, and kind of the question for them moving into the offseason. Yeah, I thought it was a, a good game. Drew Locke, 3-1 and one as a starter. Um, didn't look horrible last week. Their whole team looked flat against Kansas City last week. Um, but, you know, played a clean game on uh, Sunday, did what he needed to do. Denver was on their third string right tackle and missing both starting guards uh, at times yesterday. So they got off to a slow start but kind of uh, made it work. Uh, and they were having success running. I think one of the frustrations that I and many fans have had is some of the same frustrations that I think you've had with with Cleveland in the play calling. Uh, you know, sometimes it feels uneven. Things are working and they go away from it. It feels like they get a little too cute at times. Rich yeah. Gangarello obviously learned under Kyle Shanahan, wanted to bring some of that system here. But a first-year play caller, and I think, you know, he's had some really high highs and he's had some uh, some head scratchers as a play caller, you know, has had to adjust to the three different quarterbacks throughout the season. Um, you know, obviously Joe Flacco wasn't what we wanted. I was happy to see Deshaun Hamilton come through yesterday. I thought he looked really good to end his rookie campaign. Looked like he might be coming along better than Cortland Sutton. But this year been kind of the forgotten man. I thought after they dealt Emmanuel Sanders, that was going to open things up. And like for several consecutive games, he didn't even have a catch. It's been nice. He has developed some rapport with Locke. He has started to do noticeably better the last four games with Locke in. Um, getting some confidence. You know, I like the idea of Hamilton, Sutton, uh, Lindsey and Freeman are second year players. Drew Locke, no Fant, first year players. That's a pretty rich core of skill position players on offense who are all yeah. looking pretty strong, who are all really young. I mean, Philip Lindsey, I think they said is 62 or 72 yards away from his second consecutive thousand yard season. It's been a quieter season. Um, but, He's continued to be strong and make the most of his opportunities. I'm excited to see uh, where they go. Denver, this is going to be our third consecutive losing season, uh, fourth consecutive year out of the playoffs. But the difference, you know, I noted when I was, I always recap the Bronco games on my blog. Mm -hmm. The difference I feel right now is more optimistic about where we are and building toward a good toward a good place that you haven't really felt the last couple of years. And, you know, if they have a strong showing at home against the Raiders next week, they could end up being seven and nine. And I think that would vault them to second place in the West. So uh, not, not altogether that bad. They've really grown. And this was a team that had some really tough luck that Jacksonville game. They lost at the last second, the Chicago one where the refs gave them an extra second and Eddie Pinero nailed yeah. a field goal they had that brutal loss uh, to the Colts at the last second in the game they led. They had uh, uh, the Kansas you know, City one, too. Better luck and a little better health. What? <clears throat> was it Kansas City? I'm trying to remember who it was at the beginning of the year. They also had a – was it the, it was the Raiders game, right? That very, Well, no, that wasn't it. There was one other game I'm trying no. to think of. The Bears. I know you said Jacksonville. I could have swore there the was Bears, another the team. The Bears, the Jaguars. <clears throat> um. 
now that the, both chief games are pretty lopsided. The first chief game is where uh, Mahomes dislocated his kneecap, oh, and I thought he right. had a chance until Matt Moore looked like Joe Montana. Um, but now there have been a couple of like heartbreakingly uh, close losses. So yeah, but there, there's some there's some signs of, of coming forward. Uh, the big question for Denver is going to be being able to re-sign. I think if they can re-sign Chris Harris Jr. and Justin Simmons, that's going to be pretty great. And then trying to figure out offensive line. Uh, you know, Denver has spent big money on right tackles and guards. All three. We were making a big joke. Denver had three big money free agents this offseason: Jawan James, Bryce Callahan, and Kareem Jackson, and not one of them played yesterday. Yikes. Uh, on Lindsay, I, I looked it up while you were uh, giving your breakdown on him. So, yeah, he is 42 yards away from another 1,000-yard season. So, for an undrafted free agent, that is uh, pretty, pretty good. I love that kid. I, I hope that he gets it and then some. So, that right there finishes out our breakdowns for this week 16 matchups. As I said earlier, I will be back on tomorrow's podcast solo breaking down the rest of them. We got about seven minutes left here, so we're going to jump in now and do Star Wars talk. So if you have not seen Rise of Skywalker, hit stop now. Stop listening because there will probably be spoilers ahead. If you are continuing to listen, then I'm assuming you want to hear our opinion, so please don't come at us on Twitter if you hear something that spoils it for you because I've now given you fair warning. Your thoughts, really quick, on what you thought about the movie. Because I have seen a lot of, obviously, negative reviews and everything on it. I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, you know, as, as I sent in a text to you, I'm kind of confused that when they said it was the definitive end of the Skywalker story, the way that it ended, I feel like that's probably, you could interpret that an opposite way of what they said. But I'm interested to see if they obviously continue to make Star Wars movies in this uh storyline or in this part of the universe how all of what happens continues to move forward so what was your take on the movie yeah i mean i i thought it was really good i uh i enjoyed it quite a bit um we had talked about one of the interesting things was going to be to see it seemed like uh, the last film, uh, episode eight, The Last Jedi, was really divisive. It has a 91% yeah. critical score, 43% audience score. You know, they were trying to appease a lot of different groups, trying to to do a lot of different things. How were they going to do that? What was going to be sacrificed? This one has kind of a middling 58% critical score, but has had an 86% audience score. So for the most part, it seems like fans and audiences have liked it. There's been a lot of, you know, if you loved one, you wouldn't like the other and vice versa. I found myself in kind of an outlier camp. I love The Last Jedi. It's my favorite Star Wars movie, but I love this movie, too. I've been thinking about it. For me, it's probably pretty close to top three. Yeah. Um, I thought there were a lot of a lot of things. I, I think it just depends. You know, if you're going in because you just love to be transported to worlds, you love to get into the emotion of everything. I give myself over to these, to these movies. Uh, yeah. You know, it gave me a lot of feels. The performances were good. It wasn't what I expected, but that isn't a problem for me with these films. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's where some people get caught up. They have an expectation of what they think needs to happen or what they want to see. And when it doesn't 
go that way. You know, I w- it's a very different kind of film. It's an, it's more of a nostalgia kind of film. Abrams obviously wants to do a lot of nods to, to the canon. They did some really neat things, even shout outs to the animated shows yeah. um, that not everyone's seen that, that are meant to fill in the gaps. I thought it was satisfying, but I'm like you. The biggest confusing point for me was they talked about this kind of being a definitive end point. And I, you can interpret the ending, I guess, in a lot of different ways. But to me, it felt like it was an open-ended invitation to possibly continue not with the people that we had in the 80s when we when a lot of us were growing up, but with these new people. And I would be yeah. in for that. I don't know if that's oh, yeah. their plan or if that was their intention. It, it could be if, you know, as my wife said, if they didn't make another one, you're not going to be upset. There was an ending. Yes. But it wasn't the, you know, they kind of made it sound like it was going to be like the end of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, where, exactly. Yeah. Here's your coda. Here's what happened to everybody. You know, that part you didn't get. And people talked about it being long. Honestly, if it would have been an hour longer, I probably would have still loved it even more because they there was so much stuff they had hit so quickly. Yeah. Uh, it felt like it could have been it could have if they would have done the Irishman treatment to this and made me a three and a half hour movie, I'd still be down for it. Yeah, I mean, so here's the the one thing I'll say on the length part. I, I don't think it was long at all. I didn't even read like when they started getting to the to the Sith homeworld and everything, I started realizing, like, oh my god, it's almost over. Like it's already almost over. Like yep. I was in, I was so involved in that the whole time. Like here's the one thing I, well, I was going to compare it to is Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame is three hours long, right? Yep. Or was it even longer? I can't remember. I know it was at least three. Yeah, it was a shade over three. There were times during that that I was like, man, they probably could have cut out a little bit of this other stuff. Like, I get it. I love when they bring some of the humor that they do into it. But there were times that I was kind of like, yeah, you probably could have cut this or that out of it. I did not feel that at all in this movie. I felt like everything was pivotal to where it led to. I'm with you. I loved it. It is actually top three for me. I am with you. While I loved Last Jedi, it's not my favorite. I still have Empire Strikes Back as my favorite. Now, maybe that's just the nostalgia of me growing up with it. But then it is Last Jedi and then Rise of Skywalker and Return of the Jedi are like right there for me as number three. So I'm with you. I loved it. Uh, I would – I'm with what what your wife said as well. Like I would love – if they continued moving forward with these three. But if this was the end of it, I wouldn't hate it. Like I – as something as you said, I, I love these movies. I've, I've grown up with them. I mean, as much hate as one, two, and three get, they're obviously, I would say, a step down from the other six that we have. Uh, but I still watch them. If they're on, I'll watch them because I do. I love the movies. Uh, I would be here for it if they created more of them uh, because I just do. I want to go see these movies. I love the stories when they tell them, uh, and so I want to continue with it. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, you know, me and you talked a little bit back and forth. I love what they did with Ben Solo. I, I love that he was able to kind of turn around and redeem his character at the end. Uh, I yeah. love that part of it. I hated that he had to die, but I kind of expected that to happen there once once Ray kind of – yeah. I guess passed and he did the whole life force transfer thing. I kind of assumed that was what was going to happen. So I think for me, uh, I text you a little bit about it. When we were talking about, for me, the most powerful parts was the Han Solo part. Uh, mostly because I just, I love Han. I mean, I think most guys probably Han's one of their favorite characters for most men. Uh, so I loved getting to see that last call back to him and him kind of, 
you know, bringing his son back after what we saw in Force Awakens. Uh, and then for me, the hardest part. So when when Leia passed, obviously when Ray when Ray stabbed Ben, when Leia did the whole kind of reach out to her son thing and kind of get him to stop. It didn't hit me that hard. Like I was kind of like not not at least as hard as as Han getting killed did. I was not expecting that. Uh, but when Chewie came back, and the, uh, I can't remember what her name is, but when she told them that Leia was no longer with them, Chewie's breakdown yeah. actually kind of hit me in the feels a little bit because it, it reminded me how much those characters meant to each other and how much they had gone through up yeah. until this point. So that part kind of hit me. I thought the same thing when when Lando shows up. You yeah, know, and, and it says, how did you guys beat an empire? And he said, we had each other. And he yeah. kind of name checks the whole group. And you're like, damn, that's tough. I I feel the same as you, what you're saying about Leia. But I think the two, the the biggest shame of this whole thing is I think the they said the design for this trilogy was seven was supposed to be kind of featuring Han Solo, eight featuring Luke Skywalker, and nine featuring princess leia and when carrie fisher died it threw them into turmoil and i think the reason her character death at that point doesn't hit you as hard is because we've known for three years that she was dead and there was going to be no great way for them to make her a focal point of this movie you know there was a lot of wonder for a while are they going to have her have passed away off screen before they even start and it's a tribute to her i thought they did a masterful job of being able to take some footage they hadn't used and some cgi tricks and to get what felt like a fairly organic presence of her in the movie but i think it doesn't hit you as hard that her character's gone because you knew you were on borrowed time to begin with seeing her because the actress wasn't available but they made it more real in chewie's reaction in lando's kind of fond memories you know they had just enough of him just enough shout shout out seeing wedge antilles in that group it gets you yeah yeah it does yeah that like i said that that, especially that chewy part like even my wife kind of looked at me and she's like are you i was like i'm okay i'm okay it's just like because it does because again if you if you're someone like us who has grown up with these movies like like I, said, I never thought there'd be another Star Wars after Return of the Jedi. So when when they came out yeah. with the first three, like I said, they, I think we can all admit they they weren't the best, but you still kind of enjoyed watching them. You we already knew what was going to happen, which I also think is kind of, in all honesty, part of the thing you were just talking about with Leia. I do think that kind of take some of the luster off those first three because you already know what's going to happen. So you you kind of know where the story is going to go. So there's not much that they can show you or tell you that's really going to surprise you, which I do think kind of hurt those three. And I do think that is probably why Leia's death doesn't hit as hard as Han because, like I said, thankfully nothing of that was ruined for me. I know you said, unfortunately, something was ruined for you in this one on Facebook. But, uh, you know, me not knowing that going into the movie and then seeing that happen, I mean, that did. It hit me hard. I was like, oh, my God. Like, really? Just like Iron Man. That Even though I knew it was coming, that still hit me hard because I love myself some Iron Man. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just it, overall great movie. I, I said, I, I, I guess I'm with you. We're we're in a very small camp of people well, that you loved and I it. Are, you and I are pretty close because you said your top three would be Empire, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. Mine was <laughs> Last Jedi, Empire, Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> you know, and I go back and forth about Empire and Last Jedi. There's just something about Last Jedi. You know, I saw it three or four times, I think, in the theater, uh-huh. and it 
it got me every time. And I re when I rewatched it, you know, I did a clean rewatch of all the movies in chronological order to see if I still felt the same way. And it still got me. I love empire. I mean, that's been yeah. my favorite for a long time. I never thought anything would displace it. And it's not like there's a huge, it's not like the Michael Thomas tear break <laughs> to all the receivers. <laughs> I well. <got> you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty close. Uh, you know, it, if you love Star Wars and you go in just wanting to enjoy the experience, I, I think you will. Um, it's kind of like probably the way you and I weren't as deflated about season eight of Game of Thrones as other people. Were there things yeah. I didn't like? Sure. Were there things I would do different? Sure. But if you loved a story, you have to appreciate the ride kind of all the way through unless they do something massively offensive and I, there was nothing to me in this that was that reached that level no yeah like i said i i, I didn't find and, and maybe part of it for me too was that uh you know like i'll use one of the movies I, I feel like we're not completely different on but i know we both have different opinions was the joker that's one of the most recent movies we've both seen that we've talked about I went in with like a certain set of expectations in Joker, and I think some of that was due to stuff I had read and and you know trailers that I had seen and everything. We've talked many a times about this. I've only seen the one trailer. Now I've seen a bunch now because I've seen different stuff. But anytime a different trailer yeah. would come on, I'd change the channel or I'd turn the TV off or I'd mute it and walk away because I didn't want anything ruined for me. I wanted to go into this as blind as possible. So I saw the very first trailer and that was it. So I didn't have any expectations. So maybe that is part of it, but. But for me, like I said, even if I did, I don't think I would have I would have hated this movie. I I, th I thought it was masterfully done. I thought they did a good job of, you know, as, as you said, doing callbacks. And a lot of it, what J.J. Abrams did in Force Awakens, there was a lot of callbacks and nods to, to the originals and everything. And I liked it. I, I thought they picked up very well from where Johnson left off, Last Jedi. They answered some of the questions, and, and I thought they ended it. I guess, as I said, as well as I guess if I had a complaint, the ending only because of what they said in the interview would be my only part. Had they not said anything about this being the definitive end to the Skywalker story, I would have loved the ending too. The fact that they said that leaves me kind of questioning, well, what exactly did you mean by that? But that by at all means does not make me hate the movie or have any issues with the movie whatsoever. It just unfortunately makes me think like, what are they going to do next now? Because I feel like there there's could be so many yeah. different ways they could go. Well, and no matter what, we still have baby Yoda. That is true. I can't wait to see what happens. I, I, I think, uh, I know we didn't get to talk about it cause Tony hadn't seen it, but that last episode yeah. was awesome. So I got, cause what, uh, the, the meme, the meme game following yes. that oh. has been incredibly yeah, strong. I, it's, it has been so incredible. Cause I remember a couple of weeks ago, somebody had tweeted something like Disney, if you do it, if you allow anything to happen to baby Yoda, I'm going to burn your theme park to the ground. And that was a great <laughs> theme after that last episode that has three pictures at the top. It has baby Yoda on the ground in the middle. It has a picture of Disneyland with a, with the words you've, you were warned. And at the bottom <laughs> it has a picture of rubble. Oh man, yeah, it's so. gonna be because uh, what is it? Co it comes out Friday, right? The new episode, so oh, I yep. can't wait. Yep, or one oh one oh one a.m. for me, so uh, probably twelve oh one or two oh two a.m. for you. Yeah, see, I have a really easy day Friday, so I plan on hopefully getting that in very early afternoon Friday because I should be home fairly early, yeah. so I can't wait. Uh, we'll I yeah, feel... we'll have to deep dive into that once it's over. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there's more we can talk about, but we're, we're already almost at like an hour 45, so I don't want to make this too long. So 
We do have a lot of off-season coming up. There's going to be some episodes we're not going to have a lot to talk about, so we can definitely dive in more, do some more Mandalorian talk. I know we got the Obi-Wan series, I think, comes out sometime next year as well, so we might be able to talk some of that and then definitely do a deeper dive uh, into Rise of Skywalkers. I plan well, on seeing it one more time uh, just to kind of catch on stuff that I didn't yeah. possibly see the first time. Well, on the third week in January, I will be uh, making my trek to Disneyland, getting to experience Galaxy's Edge and Rise awesome. of the Resistance for the first time. So we will uh, we'll have to chat about that a little bit. The uh, day after the NFC-AFC Championship Games, I go to uh, Los Angeles for Disneyland. Very nice, dude. That is awesome. I'm going – so I am going in July. So I will get a chance to experience it. That is one of the reasons – or June. I'm sorry, the beginning of June. I'm taking my boys uh, and my wife and my parents are going as well. So I'm excited about that. I've been waiting for them to to open this new Star Wars land because I am excited to see it and and go out there and experience it. It's the best part for me. Like I was telling my wife – Rise of the Resistance opens at Disneyland on Friday the 17th, so it will have been open for three days when we get there. I already have booked uh, to make my lightsaber, and we've booked to make our droids, so you guys who follow me on Twitter can expect I will post uh, some pictures. I am excited. I I cannot wait. That's actually my birthday, January 17th, so I cannot wait. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that stuff. Like I said, you could do that at other Disney parks, like the the one in Florida, you could do that stuff in... uh, I think it was part of downtown yep. Disney. They had like a big store that you could do, but they've never had like a full dedicated Star Wars area like they're doing here. So I'm, I am yep. excited for that. I can't wait to see what you, what you do and the stuff you post. Cause like I said, I'm making the same trek in June and I cannot wait. I've told my wife that I'm all about the kids everywhere else we go, but once we get there, it's going to be all about dad because that's <laughs> going to be my part of the park. So I cannot wait. Uh, Matt. Thank you so much for, for jumping on, talking some Star Wars and everything with me today. Uh, we obviously won't get to talk again till Thursday, so have you, uh, you and your wife have a Merry Christmas, uh, and I look forward to talking to you on Thursday. Yep, Merry Christmas to all. Enjoy our final Monday night football game of the year. Yes, enjoy it. Indeed, we will. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.